This podcast is brought to you by the American Thoracic Society. We help the world breathe. So hello and welcome to another episode of the Out of the Blue podcast. My name is John Fleetham. I'm Professor of Medicine at the University of British Columbia in Vancouver, Canada. Today I'm joined by Dr. Richard Schwab, who's the senior author of an article entitled Effect of Weight Loss on Upper Airway Anatomy and the Apnea Hypopnea Index, the Importance of Tongue Fat. And this was published online in the Blue Journal last month. Uh, Dr. Richard Schwab is Professor of the Department of Medicine and Chief Division of Sleep Medicine at the University of Pennsylvania Medical Center in Philadelphia. Uh, thanks for joining us today, Rich. Thanks, John. So we've been, before we discuss your paper, can I ask you a couple of general questions about uh, obesity and, and obstructive sleep apnea? Um, so to start off, why is obesity so important in patients with obstructive sleep apnea? So we know from epidemiologic studies that obesity is the primary risk factor for sleep apnea, and it's probably if you listed the first 10 risk factors for sleep apnea, obesity would be 1 through 10. And it's probably, and I don't think we really under, understand the relationship between obesity and sleep apnea, although we're going to talk about tongue fat and how that may contribute. But on a, a larger level, uh, if you have increased size of the structures in your upper airways. So if your tongue's larger, if your soft palate's larger, if the lateral walls are larger, so if you have increased structures, the size of the structures or the volumes of the structures in the upper airway, if they're enlarged, that makes your airway smaller. And we've published articles uh, many years ago where we showed that the, the soft tissue structures in the upper airway were enlarged. So I think it's just basically a problem with anatomy. If you have big structures, and your mouth isn't big enough to handle that, you're more likely to snore and have obstructive sleep apnea. And with the obesity epidemic around the world, it, it basically suggests that there's going to be more and more obstructive sleep apnea that we're going to need to both diagnose and treat. Now, we all know that weight loss improves obstructive sleep apnea, but it doesn't always eliminate it. What are the other contributing causes of obstructive sleep apnea? So first of all, the first part of the question I think is interesting. We don't really understand how much weight loss you need to get rid of sleep apnea. And so for patients who undergo bariatric surgery and have a 100-pound have a weight loss, their sleep apnea gets better. It may not completely resolve, but it usually gets better. But in the second part of your question, which is why uh, it's not just about, it may not just be about weight. And, and some of that's related to the fact that the, we have, it's more than just the upper airway soft tissue structures. There's the interaction of the soft tissue structures and craniofacial skeleton. So if you're retronathic or you have a narrowed hard palate or you have, just have a small jaw, your risk of sleep apnea is higher because you don't have a big box. And so the combination of the soft tissue structures and craniofacial structures are important. And obviously, if you lose weight, you're not necessarily going to change the craniofacial structures at all. So that's part of the problem. And then there may be other factors that are involved with weight loss in terms of non-anatomic factors, such as some of the physiologic traits, and also, when you lose weight, you're not just losing fat, you lose some muscle mass. And so all these factors may be contributing. Okay, that's great. So let's move on to your paper. Um, what were the uh, objectives of your study? 
we published a study in sleep in 2014 where we looked at the association of tongue fat to sleep apnea. And we found that in obese apneas compared to obese controls, there was more fat in the tongue. Uh, and the, there was about a 5cc difference, although there was a lot of fat in the obese controls in the tongue as well. And so we published that and we thought, well, well the next step, the next important study would be if patients lose weight, do they actually reduce their tongue fat? And if, they, if that's true, is tongue fat the mediator of the reduction in the apnea hypopnea index? And that's why they got better. So that was our objective is, is we had published this paper in sleep in 2014 and thought, well, the next obvious study would be a weight loss study. And that's why we decided to go ahead with it. Can you describe your study patients and then the, the methodology? Yeah, so we, this was a six-month study where we took patients with obstructive sleep apnea who were undergoing weight loss, either medical weight loss or surgical weight loss. We did an MRI of the upper airway prior to the weight loss and then six months later. And, and basically, that was the study design. The MRI was a little bit sophisticated, so they were spin echo, standard spin echo T1 images, and then we did something called Dixon imaging, which allows you to quantify the fat in the tongue. And so that was the one you, uh, a little bit of a unique aspect of the MRI, but other than that, it was standard MRI imaging. Okay, and what were your primary findings? So we found that there were a number of different factors that were number of different upper area soft tissue structures that were reduced when you lost weight, including the size of the tongue and size of the, uh, of the lateral walls and the pterygoids. And there was also reduction, we, we did abdominal imaging as well, and there was reduction in the fat in the abdomen. But the main finding was, and, was that when you lost weight, the, your AHI improved. And the factor that, that mediated that reduction in AHI was reduction in tongue fat, which was really interesting because no one really understood the relationship, as we talked about earlier, the relationship of why obesity and sleep apnea or even why when you lose weight do patients get better. And our data indicates that if you, if you lose tongue fat, independent maybe of weight loss, but if you lose tongue fat, you're going, your HI is going to get better or your, your apnea apnea index and your, your severity of sleep apnea is going to improve. Now, how reproducible are your MRI uh, measurements? So that's a great question. So one of the things we did is that we had patients who didn't lose any weight at six months. And so we used those as a control group and said, okay, uh, what happened to your structures? Did they change without any weight loss? And they didn't for the most part. The correlations were really strong between time point one and time point two in patients who didn't lose any weight. So I think it's pretty valid to say that if you do an MRI at time point one and an MRI at time point two without weight loss, the quantitative measures that we use to determine the size of these structures is pretty valid, is, is very valid. Um, and so, so that was the primary aspect. We've also done other studies where we've showed reproducibility at two different time points. So I think our methods, at least the MRI methods, are valid and reproducible. Now, men and women distribute body weight differently. Um, were there any gender differences in your findings? We specifically didn't look at that because we controlled for gender in the analysis. So if you just look at the paper, you're not going to be able to answer that question. However, we do have, we, we can obviously look at the data in other ways and we didn't 
specifically discuss this, but there was not a difference, or at least a not, a, not a significant difference in the percentage of fat in men or women, which is interesting because you're correct. There's very different fat distributions in men and women uh, in terms of their especially abdominal fat, but it doesn't seem that that's the case with tongue fat. And a, and a supplementary question to that, I mean, uh, um, do you have enough data to look at racial differences given the, the different propensity in terms of sleep apnea in thin uh, patients from the Orient? So we don't probably have enough data from this study, although we are, if you combine all the different studies that we've done over the last 10 years or so, we do have enough data to answer that question. So that will be something for the future. Uh, not only ethnic changes, but we're looking at gender-related changes uh, in upper airway structures across a number of different studies. And we're also doing some international studies where we're looking at other Asians and, and different, different populations and doing comparisons. So those are all really important questions. And we have the data, and it, in the next couple of years, we'll probably present some of that data is going to come out. So I understand why weight loss reduced tongue fat but it also reduced uh, the, the size of the lateral wards and the pterygoids, which are not thought to contain fat. Uh, what's your explanation for this? Yeah, those structures don't contain much fat. Well, I think it's probably related to the fact that when you lose weight, you just don't lose fat, you lose muscle mass, so the sort of non-fat tissues. So if you lose 100 pounds, your biceps which, or your other muscles, you, it's, you're gonna, those muscles are going to go down in size. So I think it's related to that, uh, but we're not 100% sure. But if I had a bet, I think it's just that weight loss results in reductions in fat, fat mass and then non-fat mass. So I think that's the reason. So you also looked at the changes in abdominal fat. Were the changes in abdominal fat uh, similar to the changes in tongue fat? I mean, if we lose weight, do we lose it uniformly or is it different? So there were correlations between tongue fat and, and abdominal fat, and they weren't super strong, but there were correlations. So I think they're, they're, they did go in the same direction, but it's not probably a one-to-one. -one. If you lose 15% of body mass index, everything's going to be dropped by 15%. I don't think that's probably how it works. We don't understand actually why fat is deposited in the, in the tongue. We don't really understand the genetics of fat distributions in general and how they're, how they're both deployed in terms of why they go in certain areas and, and even less about when you lose weight and how they change. But there was some correlation between the two. The, the abdominal fat didn't correlate with improvements in AHI like the tongue reductions in tongue fat did, um, and, but, but there were associations between the two groups, but not exactly one-to-one. -one. Can your findings help us in terms of therapeutic options? Uh, given the importance yeah. of tongue fat in patients with obstructive sleep apnea, uh, yeah. are there any potential treatments that we can uh, 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 adopt to reduce tongue fat? Yeah, I, th I think, I think maybe one of the most exciting pieces parts of this paper is I, I think tongue fat is a, a new potential therapeutic target. And I think we can address it in a number of ways. Obviously, generalized weight loss is one way, which this paper showed. Um, but there may be other ways. For instance, if you go on a low-fat diet but didn't change your weight at all, would that reduce tongue fat? And no one studied that. We know that upper airway exercises improve sleep apnea. It doesn't make it completely go away, but whether you do sort of specific 
speech therapy type exercises or play an instrument like the didgeridoo, it improves apnea. And then one of the questions then would be why? And so if you do upper exercises, would that reduce tongue fat? And so that if you're, if you play an instrument or if you speak all day long and you're a reporter or, or something like that, would that actually protect you from sleep apnea or improve your apnea? And we just don't know that, but that would be an interesting study. And then there potentially are other approaches. Could you use cold therapy that's been used for cold sculpting in the abdomen? Could that in some way reduce tongue fat if you could figure a way to do that? Or are there other surgical techniques that you could somehow target the fat in the tongue and remove it directly without affecting the muscle? So I think it becomes really interesting, and I'm hoping the field sort of takes advantage of this and starts to study this in, in sort of new and novel ways because I could – if you can figure out a way to reduce tongue fat, you're going to improve someone's sleep apnea. And I think that's really important. That's really interesting. Um, now, um, uh, I was finished with this question. Uh, are there, what are the limitations of your findings? Well, one of the issues is we looked at only six months, right? So it was two time points, six months. Would it have been different if we had looked at a year or, or other times? Is, is what happens over time to tongue fat? We don't know anything about that. And then I don't, I don't think the sample size was, you know, you've got a, a selected population. It wasn't that you're looking at thousands of patients. So I think you have to take a little bit of a grain of salt in terms of uh, the sample size. And then some of the things you talked about is, would, does gender have an effect? Does ethnicity have an effect? We just don't know that. So it's an area that's ripe for uh, more research in terms of understanding this. And I think, I think people need to pay attention to tongue fat as, as a real anatomic factor that could potentially be mediate, that you can mediate or change. And then and I, from that standpoint, I think it's really, a, it's, a, it's a sort of a new area that people haven't thought of. I think most physicians don't even think about fat in their tongue. So I think it hopefully will open up the other investigators' ideas about A, how can you remove it, and B, the relationship to obesity and weight loss. So thanks for all of this. Uh, do you have any final comments you want to make uh, to emphasize about your study? Um, I, I, as I've sort of already suggested, I think this is a wonderful opportunity for other people to step in to, to start to understand tongue fat. I think it would be great if other researchers started to do this in, in a more, um, in, in a, in a, quantitative fashion in terms of understanding the relationship of tongue fat to obesity and also weight loss and how that relates. We're, I think, the only lab that's doing this, and it would be wonderful if other investigators started to study this question and can either confirm confirm the results and, and, again, look at other new treatment options for this, because I think that's really novel and a potential could change the field. So I'd like to thank Dr. Schwab for doing this. Uh, to the listener to read the article discussed in this podcast, please uh, visit the podcast homepage at www.atsjournals.org. To listen to more episodes of Out of the Blue, visit our page on iTunes or Google Play. Uh, you can also subscribe to stay updated whenever new episodes are available. Thanks for listening and have a great day.